And so if you would do me the honor of standing once again, I know it's the third time, once again, uh, to give you a little peek into how Kids Church starts every single week. I have the kids put their palms up. So if you feel comfortable to put your palms up, and we do this to say that it's not a spectator's sport. When the kids come to kids' ministry, I want God to speak to their hearts. And so many times when I say we're going to pray, the kids automatically put their palms up. So if you would pray with me. Father, I just thank you, God, because you are such a good God. I thank you for all the mothers and all the women in this service today. God, I pray that we'd hear from heaven, God. I pray that you bring our thoughts into captivity, into obedience to you, so that not one of us will leave here today without a word from heaven. We give this to you in your name. Amen. So doing it, you may be seated. Doing it the kids' church way, um, Pastor Todd has seen me through the years bringing many props around this church, and so I do come with props today. We are actually going to go through the book of Ruth, and so if you have a Bible, you can open up to the book of Ruth, but we're going to talk about a journey that's about to take place, and over here is a basket of bread, and this basket of bread is going to represent Bethlehem, and also God's covering. Bethel means house of God. Bethlehem means house of bread. And so, Abby, read me a scripture, what the Bible says about bread. John 6.35 says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So this is going to represent God's covering, and there's a journey that's about to take place to a place called Moab. Now, Moab in the Bible uh, doesn't have a great history. It came out of an incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughters. You can look it up. Not a great story. And so, what does the Bible say about Moab, Abby? Deuteronomy 23.6 says, Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them as long as you live. So they were not to seek a treaty of or any relationship with them because they had been set aside. Now, this broken vase here is going to represent destruction or the destroyer. Um, we know that the national god over here in Bethlehem was the one true god. But over here, the national god was called Shemosh. Now, Shemosh is believed to mean destroyer. And so, Abby, what does the Bible say about destroyer? John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Perfect. So the book of Ruth, there's only two books of the Bible that is written after women and there's only one that has been written after a non-Jew, and it's the book of Ruth. Now, Abby, give us a scripture that tells us the timeline that this book is about to take place. Judges 21-25 says, In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. So they were living in a time where everybody was doing what they saw fit in their own eyes. So we're going to start to go through, and Abby, I'm going to have you read the first five verses. Ruth 1-1-5 says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephnahites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years... Both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. 
So everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes, and a famine comes on the land. So things are not going good. If you were in kids' church, one of the things I would say that God was always telling the children of Israel to go away from your false gods, to go away from your idols, because he wanted them to follow him. And he would even let them go into captivity if they were not serving him and they continued not to listen. Um, there's a time that this has happening, and there's a famine in the land. And so they come up with a plan. Elimelech's got a plan. They are going to go to Moab because everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes because things are going to be better over in Moab, right? You ever been there with something? It's going to be better over there. But what they don't understand is they're about to go out from underneath God's covering. So in the first five verses, everything goes south really, really fast. In the first five verses, we find out that Elimelech has died. The two sons have died. And there's two daughter-in-laws from Moab. And there's no grandchildren. So they're in this place of absolute destruction. Have you ever been in a place where you feel like, I've lost everything? I've absolutely lost everything. And this is where Naomi is. So the lesson in, in the first little bit is the fact, don't go out from underneath the covering, even when things are difficult. Because God wants to grow you, and he wants to make you and mold you. He's preparing you for eternity over there. And if you do, you might find out that you're not positioned for the blessing when the blessing actually comes. And so she's over here, and I think the saddest verse for me in this this whole four chapters, it says, and then Naomi hears that God is blessing his people again. And you might say, well, why is that a sad verse? That's a sad verse because isn't it sad when you hear about the blessing? but you're not actually positioned in the place you need to be to receive the blessing. It's only hearing about it. And so it says she starts and she gets back on this journey and she packs up her two daughter-in-laws and partway down the road, all of a sudden, Naomi has this change of heart. Now, going over here to Moab, here's our lesson, you ready? If you go to the world for answers, you are going to take on a world mindset. And very quickly in this story, we're about to see where she takes on the world mindset. Now, for those of you who don't know me, I actually worked at Sudbury Regional Hospital for 20 years before I was here. So I've been here for 10 years. You can figure out my age. (laughs) And I was there for 20 years. And there was people that would speak either all French or sometimes Croatian or different languages. But they would mix the two. You know anybody like that where they're talking French and then there's an English word. And then they're talking French and there's an English word. And so I could kind of pick apart what they were saying in the midst of that. And it's kind of like what Naomi's about to do. She's about to mix God and, and really words from the destroyer over here. So the first thing that she says is, is she says that to send them back, go back. It's better for you to go back to your little G gods than to come with me. And I say little G because they're not the true God. They're idols. It's better for you to go back. And then she says, she's trying to mix God in the mix. She says, may you be blessed in the arms of a husband. May you be blessed. And so she's trying to say blessing, but is it really where God wants her to be? Does God want her to be sending them off back to their idols? The next thing she says is God has raised his fist against me. God has raised his fist against me. And the lesson in this is the destroyer, which we know to be the enemy, he will not only be the accuser of the brethren, which is us, he will use us to accuse God. 
So she's saying, God has raised his fist against me. Now, what does Ruth say in the midst of this, Abby? Ruth 1, 16 to 17 said, But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. So, if you've ever thought, I don't have that background. I'm the first Christian in my family. I don't, you know, I'm the first to stand out. I look at these people at church, and they've got grandparents and parents, and Ruth doesn't have any of that. She's the first one that's about to step into this. And Ruth, at this point, she's making a declaration to Naomi, but she's making a declaration to the one true God. And she is making it. And, and so, as they head back to Bethlehem, they get back to Bethlehem, and it says that the townspeople get stirred. And they go, is that Naomi? Is that Naomi? And they all come out to meet Naomi. Now, Naomi still has attitudes from the destroyer, because if you go to the world for answers, you're going to take on a world mindset. And so they come up to her to greet her, and she says, call me Mara, for I am bitter. Naomi means pleasant, Mara means bitter. And so you see, when we get into these times of brokenness, we can actually even lose who we are. We can be so broken, we can't see anything. The next thing that she says is, she says, um, I left here full, and I've come back empty. And you see, she can't see that the very answer is right beside her. The very answer to what she needs is, is actually Ruth. And so I suggest to you today that if you're in that place where you think there are no answers, you don't know my situation, you just don't know. I suggest that maybe the answer is right beside you, and you just can't see it at this point. And so they get to, to Bethlehem, and then they, as they start to settle in, they go and they realize they've got three basic needs. These are two single women back in their land, but they have a need for safety because they need someone to protect them. They have a need for food, which is a basic need, and they have a need for family. She needs a kinsman redeemer. She needs somebody to take care of them. And God is so cool because 240 or 250 years before this in Deuteronomy, God placed a plan for for the foreigners, for the poor, for the um, widows to eat. So Abby, read the scripture. Deuteronomy 19 to 21 says, When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. So she says to Naomi, can I go in the fields and glean? So can I go? And God has this provision so that they can come behind and they can get food. She heads to the field, and I love it, because we sometimes think things are a coincidence, and they are not a coincidence. She ends up in Boaz's field. Now, Boaz is going to be her kinsman redeemer. She has no clue that that's who he is. She's just like forward motion. She's just moving forward, and I know many times that's us. Forward motion, just get it done. 
And so she heads the field, and it says she's there all morning working. And then Boaz comes upon the scene. And as Boaz comes upon the scene, he looks at his workers and says, who's that girl over there? Who's that? And, and they say, that's Ruth. She came back with Naomi, and he had heard about who she was. He had heard what she had done. And you know what? Furthermore, he would know he was a kinsman redeemer to her. She did not know, but he would know. He comes up to her, and he says, my daughter, stay in my field and glean. Now, that's, that's a call from God to all of us. God is calling us to stay in his field and glean. Stay here. Don't go out from underneath the covering. You need to stay here. The next thing he says is, you can drink water from the water that's been drawn for my workers. And so, um, okay, so this is my daughter, Abby, over here, who's helping me today. Abby does every single sport that you can possibly imagine. She joined the javelin team in the last week and a half. Go figure. And when she gets in the car after a sport and she has forgotten water, like she is just dying. I will go to Tim Hortons to buy her water. Sorry, Stuart, for spending so much money on water, but I do it just to get it to her, right? And, and that would have been Ruth. Like they were out in this hot field. And, and he's saying, you can, you can draw water from the water that's been drawn for my workers. So he's starting to provide for her basic needs. The next thing he says is, stay in my field, draw the water. And then he says, I've told my workers not to touch you. I've told them to keep you safe. And so he's now provided for two out of the three needs that she has right away off the top. For safety and for food. It says that her response, and I love it, her response to him at this point is she gets on her face before him and says, who am I that you would show me such favor? I believe that this is the opening of the door to a blessing that's about to flow. And I believe it's a God principle that if we come to God in humility, it opens the door for blessings. It's very hard to open the door for blessings when we come in, God has raised his fist against me. God said this. God said that. She's coming in a humble place. Now, Abby, what is, what is it that Boaz says at this point? Ruth 2, 11 to 12 says, Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So he starts to speak blessing over her. And, and I believe that one led to the other. Her humility led to the blessing. He was willing to provide for her basic needs. But, but he even spoke out blessing over top of her. And so it says that she eats in the field. She has some left over. And at the end of the day, she goes back to Naomi with an ephah of barley. Now, I'm a baker, so I want to know how much an ephah of barley is. Like, how much exactly is this? And it, it's 93 cups of barley. She heads back to Naomi, and, and all of a sudden, she's about to, Naomi's about to change her attitude a little bit. Abby, what was Naomi's response? Ruth 2.20 says, The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. 
So now she's starting to speak blessing. And, and you need to understand that it is Ruth that is being a friend to Naomi that is causing this change of heart for her. I do believe that because I believe she could have stayed at home and just been lost in her bitterness. And so we get to the end of this chapter and he tells her to stay in my field. And so she stays through the barley season, the wheat season, and then back to the barley season again. And so she stays through that whole time. And she stays there and then it gets going into chapter three. And, and Naomi comes to Ruth and she basically says, it's time to catch a man. And so she wants her to find a kinsman redeemer. Now, single girls out there, these are really good details for you. If you want to catch a man, her first instruction was you need to bathe. So that's super important. If you don't have a boyfriend yet, you need to bathe, okay? The second thing she said was to put on your best clothes. And then the third thing was to put on some perfume. Smells, smell good. And she says, tonight, Boaz is going to be in the, the threshing floor. And so this is the place at the end of the season that they would go up and take the wheat and sift through it and the barley and sift through it. She said, wait and watch where he goes to lay down. And as soon as you watch and see where he goes to lay down, I want you to lay at his feet and uncover them. But make sure he's eaten and he's, he's content and he's, he's happy. Now, this is an extremely different thing than the position of humility she was in. The position of humility she was in was very cultural. That would be very cultural to get on your face and and to be submissive, but it is not cultural for her to go up to this threshing floor. And she tells her to wait and he will tell you what to do. And so that could be really risky if he was not an honorable man. She is, she is going to the threshing floor, and she is going with her heart. She is going with her future. She is going with her reputation. Every part of that is what she's bringing to this threshing floor. Now, we have a cottage, Manitoulin Island, and when we were young, we used to play hide-and-go-seek. And so, well, kick the can, really. We play kick the can, and you'd be hiding behind a tree, and your heart would be beating a million miles a minute because you didn't want to get caught, and it was dark, and it's the excitement. I can only imagine what she was feeling in those moments as she stood, and she waited. Has he eaten? That's him. That's Boaz. It's right there. I'm going to watch. I'm going to do what I've been called to do. Now, Abby, what does the Bible say about the kinsman redeemer? Leviticus 25:24 says, Throughout the land that you hold as a possession, you must provide for the redemption of the land. The second one. The two of them. I'm going to put her through this fast. The poor girl's going place to place. Deuteronomy 25:5 says, If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. Now, not many of us would want to marry our brother-in-laws, but it was the plan that was in place. So the plan was to make sure they got taken care of if their, their husband died, that their brother-in-law would marry them. And they had it if they went into slavery, they could pay and they could get them out of slavery or they could redeem their land. Now, there's a word that I love. I looked up synonyms for the word redeem because it's not a word that we use very often. And I love this word. It's reclaim. 
Many people like to reclaim old furniture and reclaim things. But I believe that's a word for us today, to reclaim things that have been lost. So it says that she gets to the threshing floor, she waits, and, and she is in that vulnerable place, and she is laying at his feet, she uncovers his feet, and what is his response? Ruth 3, 9-12 says, Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of your family, there is another who is more closely related than I. So, have you ever sent a text message? This actually happened to me recently, where I sent like this heartfelt text message, and they responded, who are you? <laughs> and I, you're not in my contacts, and I'm like, really? Wow, like seriously? And, and that's, she had just put her all there. She gets there, she uncovers his feet, and he wakes up and says, who are you? Who are you? Her instruction was to uncover his feet and to wait. And I love Ruth. Love it. Because what she does is she, she tells him, you are my kinsman redeemer. Put the covering, put your covering over me, which is basically saying, marry me. Now this whole threshing floor, I believe, is, is a picture for us, his people. Threshing floor, what happened in the threshing floor? In the threshing floor, they brought their grain, their barley in, and they would crunch it down, and they would get the seed out, and then they would go out in the wind, and they would throw it up in the air until the seed came down. Um, This week, on Monday, I was praying about this message. I've done a lot of prayer over this message. I was praying about it, and this is what God gave me. He said, the children of Israel never claimed all that was theirs to claim. In, God promised them a certain territory in the promised land, and they never claimed. And I heard years ago, and I might not be right on this number, I think they only claimed one-third of what was theirs. If I'm wrong, forgive me. So I text my mother, she's at camp, and I'm like, did they claim everything that was theirs to claim? And she's like, I don't know, ask Pastor Todd. I asked my husband, yeah, that's what she said, ask Pastor Todd, I don't know the answer to this. Then I asked my husband, and he said, no, I think they just didn't drive out the enemy. So literally, poor Pastor Todd got to work on Tuesday, and I was like, waiting. I was here early, and I wanted to know the answer. And the reason I wanted to know the answer is because as Christians, do we claim all that is ours to claim? Do we claim it all? In, it was culturally normal, and I think that it almost represents us coming in on a Sunday morning, right? It's culturally normal for us to sing our worship and, and to, to raise our hands if we feel comfortable, and that's really culturally normal. But this is different what's happening on this threshing floor. The threshing floor is a place of bringing your all, bringing your heart, bringing your future, bringing your past bringing your reputation if it needs to be. And the reason it's so important is because she's about to be redeemed. Now it says there is a wrench in the plans in the midst of all this, and I've been there when I put my whole heart before God and I have to wait 
she's got to wait. And she's also got a wrench in the plan. We never know who the other man is, but we're told that there's another kinsman redeemer. And so it says the next day, Boaz goes to the field, uh, to, the, to the city gates, and they have this whole thing that goes down. The other guy is not going to redeem her. And, and so uh, Boaz becomes the redeemer. He becomes her redeemer. Um, I'm going to have Carla come. She's going to sing here in a minute. Abby, I want you to read the last verse of Ruth. Ruth 4.17 says, The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. So why is that important? I've known people through the years, and I've heard them say words like this. Uh, I don't care anymore. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know who hurt me in the church. And, you know, they can hurt me anywhere else, but they hurt me in the church. Or you don't know what they said about my kid. And, you know, I could go the list all the way. And as women, we are pretty good at closing in when we get hurt. I'm very good at closing in when I get hurt. I'm very good. I, I will put you at an arm's length. And I really believe that God has for us today. He's saying, come. I want you to come. I want you to come to me and know that I am your kinsman redeemer. We have a redeemer that was willing to go to a cross for you. He was willing to go to a cross for you to get to the place in your life that you can say, it doesn't matter what my hurt is, doesn't matter what it is, I'm willing to get at the feet of Jesus and bring it to him because I need his covering, I need his covering. Don't go to the world for answers. There is no life. And the only one that wants to keep you there, I'm telling you, the only one that wants to keep you there is Satan himself, the destroyer. He wants to keep you in a place where you don't get free. He wants to keep you in a place where you don't let those offenses go. God wants to set you free. That last scripture that Abby just read, if you didn't catch it, she does give birth. She gives birth to Obed, who is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David, which is the greatest king that ever existed. And so if you can't lay that stuff down for you, lay it down for who's coming behind you. Who's coming behind you? If you look in the first chapter of Matthew, you will find out that Ruth was listed in the genealogy of Christ. And so you might be sitting here and say, I'm not even a mom yet. I'm a teenager. You know what? There's somebody coming behind you. You may not see it yet. There's somebody coming behind you. And, and they may be the next greatest thing. They may be the next Billy Graham. And every action that you have at this point matters. Learn to be a people that are gonna get on your face in that threshing floor. Get there, be vulnerable with God. You might be sitting here today and saying, I have like unsaved loved ones, I have, and you could list the whole thing. It was Ruth going to that threshing floor that freed Naomi, get it? So if you got those unsaved loved ones, that means we can get into the presence of God and we can layer all down and we can allow God to sift out the world and all the crap that has gotten into us. And we can do that for someone else. 
to see them get free. I've asked Carla to sing a song. And if you are in a Naomi today, I tell you, this should be your anthem. This should be your anthem. It's proclaiming, God, I know you're real. If you are a Ruth today, just allow your spirit to rise up with the faith, to remember things that you used to know. Allow God to speak to you today. It's been another day when it seems like faith eludes me. Everything's been so confusing. Fear got the best of me. Lying here worried about tomorrow Cause the weight of everything I don't know Is so heavy I can't sleep But the truth remains the same Even when I don't know what to pray But what I know is you're my God real No in the air demanding answers but despite of all the questions I'm still giving you my life even if it doesn't turn out like I think it should it doesn't change the fact you're always good your ways are higher than mine but the truth remains the same even pray what I know is you my God are real no matter how I feel you never let me go and what I know is there will never be a day you are just a breath away and through it all I've got a hold to love that's never Just a breath. 